Blog Talk Radio. He doesn't know where Eric got that idea. 
He says he reached out to Dickerson, and he told me he tweeted about the whole thing. Here's one of his tweets. He says, all Rams alumni, and especially Eric Dickerson, are always welcome at our games and practices. So, at Jeff Fisher's news conference today, I asked him about it. Jeff, I talked to um, Eric Dickerson on my way up here, and he says that someone from the front office called him and banned him from the sideline because the organization doesn't like him. His criti- the players don't like his criticism of the team, and they're uncomfortable. Is that true? Did you, you know? I, I don't know where that's coming from. Um, I saw Kevin responded via Twitter um, you know, a couple hours ago. I had a really good conversation with Eric last week. We welcome the alums. We welcome the tradition and the history. And now, if you heard that, Fisher did say he talked to Dickerson. Well, that whole thing didn't sit well with Dickerson. When he saw it, Dickerson told me it was, in fact, Jeff Fisher who told him he is not welcome anymore. And he told Fox Sports Radio the same thing tonight. Listen. As, in, as long as I'm head coach here, you know, you're not, you're, 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 you come to the games, you're not, you're not welcome on, on our sidelines. You know, the players feel uncomfortable with it. And I said, but I will always be Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams. I said, that's why I wear that gold jacket. He had the nerve to call me with that. I'll never come to, I'll never come to a Rams game. I'll, I'll watch them from a distance. I'll watch them at the sports bars, and whatever happens, happens. And I'll always support my football team 100%. But I'll never be at another Rams game in the college game again as long as he's their coach. So there you go. Welcome to the Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. A lot of stuff going on off the field in the NFL um, so, you know, all this week, a lot of controversy going through. Um, so welcome to the Great Iron Blitz alongside Nkishi Free, Troy Wilson right here on, on the um, UltimateSportsTalk.com and Block Talk Radio. Um, let's start off there, uh, Troy and Kishi. Big week here. Uh, we always had the Kaepernick issue from day one. Um, he obviously, uh, most people feel he set this up for himself going to Miami and pretty much a sensitive area with Cuba and all that, especially with the passing of Fidel Castro. Um, let's start there. What's your two cents uh, in Kishi in terms of, you know, is, is Stephen A on, on point or, or what's, what's your thoughts? Well, um, hi everybody. It's good to be back again. Um, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday and truthfully I'm somewhat in the middle. And I say this because um, Stephen A's one point in terms of the fact that Colin Kaepernick is extremely intelligent, um, but I agree that he picks and chooses his battles. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know someone who doesn't pick and choose their battles. That also being said, Cuba and Fidel Castro is a double-edged sword. Um, I'm not Cuban. I'm not of Cuban descent. Um, however, I also know that despite all of the myriad of atrocities that we've heard over the years, over and over and over, that some of it is propaganda because of the whole conflict with the United States, and then the other parts of it are extremely true. I am sure that people living in Cuba have faced some circumstances and situations that I can't even begin to fathom what it was like to live under those conditions. 
But at the same time, there are other aspects of the Cuban-American relationship that we don't talk about in terms of the role that the United States played in helping to set that up. And one thing people never talk about is why he came to power and how he came to power. So in as much as we vilify the man, I know, you know, historically that the United States, let's just say we weren't angels and, we, you know, our hands aren't, you know, lily white clean in all of this. And so we have also played our part in terms of creating some of the situations and circumstances that led to him coming to power in the first place. I hope at this point now, however, that there can be some peace and harmony and mutual respect between our two countries. But in the aspect of the sports, I mean, him coming out there, showing up a a T-shirt, knowing that this is a heavy community for uh, Cuba, uh, I don't think, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, his, uh, Fidel's uh, uh, Fidel's pass away wasn't wasn't uh, until after, right? This was this this was done at the presser. Right, he did the presser yeah. after he passed away, but and that's why I'm saying I think it's a double-edged sword because of the fact that not every Cuban American is anti-Castro. Some are and some aren't. But I do know that a lot of people made tremendous sacrifices to escape that country, and I do think it was a tad bit insensitive to come to Miami of all places. I think that's where everybody, I think, got strung on a cord, the fact that he did it with Miami. I think if he would have done it in any other city and brought the shirt, his, his, his point uh, when asked about it, his point was he was basically um, – uh, my, here's my notes. Uh, um, I'm uh, in support of Malcolm X. You know, in, in, I guess the historical aspect of it was driven to the, um, the Malcolm X. The reporter who's Cuban at the time, I guess, who was on site, questioned the fact because uh, I guess the shirt had Fidel Castro on the shirt. I think that's uh, if I'm correct on that. Well, well, if, I can, if I can step in real quick, um, part of what Kaepernick is saying is um, as far as when it comes to Fidel Castro, um, you know, and, and and based off of what I learned in the history books, uh, was that Castro was evil. He was a dictator. He took over Cuba, and that just wasn't actually the case. And I actually believe that most of the people who are who are living safely in America and didn't have to deal, uh, didn't have to live in Cuba. Uh, look at it a lot differently than the actual people who who, who went through it there. But but nonetheless, um, when it comes down to it, um, Kaepernick saying that he was siding with Malcolm X is citing the fact that when it came down to it, Fidel Castro had a very long history of helping and supporting uh, African nations, and also he had a relationship. Uh, with Malcolm X, and so that's what Colin Kaepernick was citing. And then he again, you know, he had a history of uh, of fighting against what he felt was oppression. Uh, the one thing that people really don't want to talk about was that uh, for about 50 years until Castro took over, is that uh, Cuba was was highly 
populated with American businesses, American businesses with capitalism, you know, were making a lot of money down there, and they ne- weren't necessarily sharing it with the Cuban people, and which is why Castro, um, you know, felt like he had to take over and, and, and dictate, the, you know, become a dictator. And so exactly. there are, and, there, there is a dynamic that jump- is not being spoke on there. And that's and, the right. part and that so, I was speaking to. Right, right. Troy, so, and that's I mean, the part then, that I was speaking to in terms of our hands not being my, clean. It, it, and so what, yeah. what, because of that, though, the, here's the thing, too, and this is a lot of the individuals, and again, I'm like Troy, looking at this from a historical point of view, a lot of the individuals who ended up leaving and, and trying to get away were often members of what was considered the upper middle class and the aristocracy. So the reality of the situation is that a lot of the people who were left in Cuba who were, you know, maybe – because if you look in Cuba, there's a lot of people who are crying and are are just depressed that this man has passed away. And a lot of times that was the lower middle class, the people who were on the lower echelon of the totem pole, people who would be in the poverty, the welfare class. And that's who he was fighting for, exactly. And in a lot of ways, if you look at the Black Panther movement – and, you know, Fidel Castro, what we're looking at is individuals who were fighting for the lesser parts of the populations of these two countries. And therefore, those who were at the top were terrified of losing their power, losing what they had, and therefore they squashed those rebellions and, and they squashed those movements. And then and, and in the process of squashing them, labeled them as terrorists, as anti-American, you know, like in the Black Panther movement. And therefore, because a lot of what was propagated to the public and the media about these groups was negative, no one ever saw the good things that they were doing, the after-school programs, the tutoring, the feeding of the poor kids who, you know, were hungry, all of those things, um, making sure that women, the free college, all of those things that the Black Panthers were doing were totally obliterated, were never promoted, never, awareness was never created about those things because they were positioned as these anti-terrorist cell groups. And so what Kaepernick was actually saying, in all honesty, was that here were two people who were fighting for the lesser man, the little man. And that's what he was saying. I just think that Miami was maybe not the right place to put it there because you have all these people who were doing their best to escape Miami, I mean, escape um, Cuba, and what they went through to cross the oceans to get to this country are circumstances I can't even begin to fathom. And I think it's because of what people had to endure to leave Cuba has left such a negative taste in their mouth. But by the same token, if the people who were leaving were the people who always had everything and now all of a sudden you're being told that you have to share the wealth. You have to share, and, and, and you're not allowed to be the top dog anymore. Yeah, maybe that does kind of suck. But, again, I was, I'm not Cuban. I didn't live it, and I don't want to presume or be presumptuous on an experience that is not mine. I do, however, want so, to try to so see both sides of the so I, guess, so I guess Stephen has a point. Stephen has a point that he's a wise kid, but probably not the right platform or setting to, you know, portray that, especially in a sensitive situation where 
like you said, you have this, you might have a majority that feels he was an oppressor and dictator, while you guys' point saying that there there was a minority that obviously cared for him, as you can as you can see today. But I mean, in the sports realm, does does it be is he like more of an athlete activist now because he's basically, uh, you know, his team is if we put it in perspective, his team is lousy. So for him to oh, come out and be politically <laughs> activist about it, I mean, I could see if you're Tom Brady and your team's doing wonderfully, maybe the message comes across more strongly. But because his team well, is losing, do you feel like the message is being so scrutinized? I, I, I mean, I, I don't think the two should 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 coincide with each other. I don't think whether you're winning in a sport has anything to do with whether or not you should speak up about things that you believe in. And let me also I say agree. this. Um, while it, I understand the criticism of what Colin Kaepernick said, I just I just really find it appalling that somebody like Stephen A. Smith, basically he's doing the same thing he's, he's, he's talking to Kaepernick about. He's taking sides. If he comes out and says that somebody is ignorant for, um, you know, uh, supporting Castro or, you know, wearing a Castro T-shirt, and on the other end, there are people also, just like Nkishi said, who feel differently about that. And, you know, instead of looking at it, trying to look at it from both sides, he took it as an opportunity to capitalistic society. He had he capitalized on, on a moment where he can get some viewership and have people start talking about him. But let's just look at it in the context of this. He is doing the same exact thing that he is that he is um, criticizing Colin Kaepernick for. He's taking sides on an issue that not everybody is. It, it, to me, for what I've seen, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've never, I will never be able to take a poll on it. But all I will say is, I've heard good, I've heard bad, I've heard people who were really upset that he passed away, who were crying and, and very tearful, and I heard some people who were just extremely happy about it. But if you're going to – let's be consistent here. That's all I'm saying with, with uh, Stephen A. Smith. I agree with Troy. Well, I what I'm saying, I think not... he's writing on the – he's writing on the majority. I think he was writing on the majority because the uh, reporter was uh, was strongly, you know, against uh, Fidel Castro. So I'm thinking he, he took that side of it when he made those comments. And I, I just uh, – let me say this, and, I, and I'll, you know, I'll leave it up to you guys at this point. I just think another thing, and if I, I'm going to go ahead and speak for Colin Kaepernick anyway, okay? I just think that the issue is, is that when Americans, when Americans come out and they demonize uh, uh, Castro for the things that he's done as far as, you know, him murdering people and their, their country being poor, the reason why he had to do that is because America, when they, when America lost their businesses, because Americans, America had oil refineries there, they had sugar plantations, all of these things were big money makers for the American that came in there and took all of that stuff over. And so Castro, what he was thinking was, it's going to be business as usual, oil refineries make a whole lot of money, sugar, sugar plantations make a whole lot of money, and then comes the Embargo Act, where the United States basically says to them, and also to all the United States buddies, they went on their playground and said, hey, you see that country over there? Don't mess with them. Don't sell anything to them and don't buy anything from them. And so that's why when you look at pictures of modern-day Cuba and you see cars in there that just look, are downtrodden and beat down, it's because they're, they're working with Russian auto cars. So I'll give you guys 100 bucks right now. If Right now, I'll send it to you on PayPal. If any of you guys can name a Russian automaker, without Googling, 
Exactly. I sure cannot. So the, the, well, that's not, that's not right, fair, so that's Troy. I, I want to win that money. I need to Google it. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, you know I so, will tell you, I actually better understanding of what was happening in, and please don't laugh, but it's a really good example of, of what I and what Troy is talking about is in the movie The Godfather 2. If you look exactly. at the movie The yeah. Godfather 2, everybody was using Cuba as their personal playground with exactly. no respect yes, they were. to the Cubans, to the, to the people who lived there. They just came down there and they turned it into one big amusement park, you know, for the United States and for everyone else who wanted to come and play. And Castro said, oh, hell no. Our country, our land, and our resources. And like Troy said, I don't think anyone expected the embargo. So because of the embargo, we said, oh, you want to kick us out? Fine. We'll make sure you suffer for that. And if you can't trade, you can't survive. So all the sure. abject poverty that people are seeing is ridiculous because of the fact that they were incapable of becoming self-sufficient. But at the same and it was time, a, it was directly the, due to the United States being upset that they their money was lost, and it was for no other reason. They also exactly. trained but thousands of Cuban nationals. But people are also, even with that aspect of it, people are still looking at the fact that he murdered people. So that's probably a more no, heightened I, right. thing of a conversation because people took right. take that to a higher level versus the other oh, stuff absolutely. that you're saying, which is valid, which horrific. is economic suppression and you're not allowing people, you know, not allowing the country to survive beyond right. its borders. Of course, you're going to create some oh. sort of, you know, uh, a bad state so and then obviously what, poverty so and everything else. So, here, so here's what I'm going to say to that. And I know we're talking sports, but right now the two lines are really crossing is in this new era, right. which is actually in so many ways we've actually just we're re, we're recycling history in terms of sports and 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 and, and advocacy between you know Jim Brown and and Muhammad Ali and that whole era sure, yeah. those, those were advocates you know the Olympics and the and the and the, and the black fist and you know we're recycling that era because for so long. Athletes were content to just make their money and like that stupid, ignorant little Wayne interview, what that got to do with me? If it ain't about my money, I don't care. And little Wayne is the exact representative of the apathy that has destroyed this beautiful country for the past 20, 30 years. Me, 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 me. It's all about my money. I don't care. And unfortunately, there are broken down trotted people in this country who are tired of giving money. Like everybody wants to talk about why the NFL sales are going down, why the viewership has gone down, because people are tired. I watched a video the other day of this horrific fight between Miami Dolphins fans and um, 49er fans, and this man punched a woman while she had a baby or a toddler in her arms. Are you serious? Like, who wants to go to see that? But at the same time, where is the family-friendly atmosphere? When it cost me 50 bucks just to pay for parking to attend a game, are you serious? But, Akishi, like, you're going to get the other argument by saying that the player, as an activist, is bringing this on to now not only the field but the stands. So you'll get that other the counteract of it. By saying that no, now the player status is bringing that into the realm of the of the stadium, which some people will bring saying, that up. 
which is fine. But here's what I'm telling you is that for years we've watched not only the athletes, but we've watched the ownership and everyone else bilk the fans with no respect for the fans. You can't – the average true diehard fan can't even attend a game anymore. What, but the, it's the fans who built the sport of football. It's those diehard, you know, salt-of-the-earth people who would – because this was what they lived for, would go to these games, and it was a family thing, and it became a tradition. Like that TV show, This Is Us, the daughter was like, I can't go out with you today because the Steelers are on Sunday Night Football. And the dude didn't understand. He was like, look, football is a part of our family. This is a part of who we are. We can't pass that on anymore because we can't even afford to take our kids to the game because everything it's is become so a corporate. It's become a corporate environment. Exactly. That's what it's become. But it, it absolutely has. So I'm relating this back to now, you know, there was a time – when it used to be about us and the fans. And that's kind of what this whole advocacy movement is about, not necessarily because they're about fighting for the fans, but there was a time when our athletes used to fight and stand for something. Then they quit fighting and standing for anything other than themselves, and now people are becoming disenfranchised because you don't care about the fans. So even if the fans don't have to agree with what they're fighting for, I'd rather see – an active fan, an active athlete who's using his platform positive. I'm not necessarily going to have to agree with everything they say. Tom Brady has been, because people quite as kept, Tom Brady was all in Donald Trump's camp. Okay, Bill Belichick, well, they were all in Donald Trump's camp. So what? I don't have to agree with what they were fighting for or what their position was, but I respect the fact that they were willing to say, you know what, I like this. And and, and and in all and that it's not just Tom Brady doing another Uggs commercial to shove some more crap in my face to get me to spend money on something. It's not right. my daddy doing another Ciroc commercial so that I spend money on some liquor. If this is what he believes in, I'm okay with that. I don't have to agree with it, but I respect it. In case you tell us how you really feel. Okay, so I had, I pulled an Erica, and that was my two-minute rant. <laughs> no, it was beautiful, that was my by the way. Um, I just think I just think in reality, it's like we're either because of social media. I think we take so many things way out of proportion and don't even process it through. Perfect example is what you guys just pointed out: the fact that the majority probably thought, you know, Castro was just this huge uh, demon, and then you have a, a minority that obviously felt otherwise when, you know, as you're talking about the embargo and everything and living it with inside the confines, a totally different perspective. So I, I think a lot of times we jump the gun, especially on social media, and we just kind of like blur out stuff without really, uh, as you said, going through the facts and researching the reality of things. Um, Troy, I'm going to jump to you because you're a former football player and I'm a former football player. And um, my, uh, my team is about the crappiest thing you've ever seen so far this year. And uh, my coach just gave my Hall of Famer the the finger by saying he's not welcome on the sidelines. Um, I woke up to that, and I was, like, pretty livid. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he still coaching my team after he's getting spanked? And then, uh, unfortunately, you got the Patriots coming to town, and I don't want to be one of those fans that says, I want my team to get beat down, but reality is Tom Brady's coming to town, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get a beat down. 
Well, um, so when I when I kind of when I initially saw the story, I was just like, all right, let me click on this. You know, I, I'm very curious. You're not allowing Eric Dickerson to come to your stadium. And so the more I looked into it, the more I read it, and then I heard some of the sound bites that you that you uh, that you posted, uh, you know, uh, before the show, well during the show, and I, I, it just went right back to seventh grade. I was in seventh grade again. I was just like, wow. I, he told me this. Well, I didn't say that. I don't remember saying that at all. Well, he told me right on the phone. He told me right to my face. Oh, I don't remember saying that at all. It just seems like it's just such a middle school thing. I don't want you to say, like, fine, I'm not coming. Like, I mean, what are we talking about here? Are we serious? Like, I mean, it's Eric Dickerson. You're talking about a guy. You're telling a guy who is your Hall of Fame running back, and this is whether it's true or not, okay? Somebody said, we don't want you on the sideline. Well, what difference does it make? Is Are you guys going to call security on you know, your Hall of Fame running back that helped put that team on the map? If I'm not mistaken, isn't he the very – maybe the – no, he's got to be the second. I think you had um, Merlin Olsen was in there, and then you also have um, uh, my man. He's, a, he's literally – he's literally he's number four. He's like I number four behind uh, Olsen, Jones, and then you probably have to put Jake like Jones. Everett somewhere down third or something like that. Well, Everett's not in the Hall of Fame, but I'm just talking about Hall of Fame. No, but so, what I'm – you know you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. in terms of Nor- yeah, uh, Ram yeah, yeah. Noriety, you got to put him up there. And, right. You know, and he's part of the 80s, you know, team that right. was with the Niners and going to the championships right. and all that so, stuff. So, yeah. Well, when you, when you think of the Rams, you think of Eric Dickerson. That's, your, that's the face. You know what I'm saying? True. So, whether or not this was said – you know, if you're Eric Dickerson, you can walk right into the stadium. I just find it hard to believe that number one, uh, a, a coach as 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 good. <laughs> stop it, okay? Stop it! I'm bombing you right Would would actually God. stoop to this level? This is that awful. is so. That, I mean, that's like is, that's what I'm he, trolling he, we right should just now. call him Petty Labelle. We should just call him Petty Labelle because yes. what do they say? Yes. All these flavors, and you choose to be salty. Yeah, I, I, that's that's all I got. That's literally what I was going through my head was all these flavors, he, and you choose to be no. salty. But that was comes ridiculous. Out that's so disrespectful. Yeah, I'm not gonna he, lie. He, so how long have you been trying to get rid of him now? Wait, Oscar, you've been trying to get trying rid of him, him, rid of him for seasons. five years. Okay, yeah, well, I haven't been on the show for five years. Okay, Troy and I haven't been on this show for five years, so I'm going to say at least a two. <laughs> Dude, ever since I've known you, you're ready to get dirty, this guy. <laughs> and that's, I, I have okay. sent a banner to the Coliseum. <laughs> I've, I've done everything I can uh, on my, you know, Ram groups. I mean, everybody's just pissed off. Look, Here's the look, thing Troy, I don't understand, out, okay? He sent out the bat signal. Oscar sent out the bat signal to get rid of God. Jeff Fisher. I got I to gotta do something, either a plane over the Coliseum with a big banner every, after every quarter. It just That would just be probably the ultimate right there. Um, Fisher's Here's the thing I don't understand. I don't understand, like Troy's point, this is a Hall of Fame running back. It's, it's, it's something you have to address in your team. Your team is lousy. He's only now voicing what the fan base is saying. So when it comes from a Hall of Famer and he says, this Ram team offensively stinks, guess what? 
it's pretty much the fact. <laughs> and when Fisher gets yeah. up there and says, uh, we're, we're, I think we're going to be okay with 6 and 10 this year. We were really shooting for 7 and 9. Um, you know, our, our goal was really 8 and 8. But, uh, you know, everybody we're facing over here is pretty good. You know, everybody that comes in every week, they're good. And so, you know, 6 and 10, I, I think we're probably going to be there. I got the Patriots coming this week, and I know I'm not fit to beat them. So I'm thinking we're going to get another loss. This no, knucklehead is going – he has three He has three more losses, and this knucklehead enshrines himself as the loosest coach in NFL history. I guess he wants that title. I'm only thinking maybe he wants that title. But you know what? One caveat here. One caveat. Every time – the Rams play a team that is a juggernaut. They end up winning. That's just what they do. I'm not gonna be surprised if Fisher wins this game. And not to mention, man, I watched I watched the the Patriots play uh, the Jets. My God, this Tom Brady just. Oh, I mean, he could throw the ball really well. But did you see that block that he tried to set out there? That had to have been the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, man. I mean, so his foot speed is just not there. So. And, and they, they look like they had a lot of problems with that Jets team on offense and defense. So I'm just saying, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you guys lose this game and get beat soundly. Because, I mean, the Patriots, I don't know. They look like they're just kind of chugging along. Brock, like, you know, I mean, they still have Martellus Bennett over there who's had a great season. I don't know, man. I mean, this might be right for the take. I think, I think honestly, Fisher has a plan, man. He has a plan. He set all this stuff up. So everybody can take off the, you know, take the focus off of what the Patriots are coming into town. And I just think they are fattening frogs for snakes. They're going to come in and they're going to beat the Patriots this weekend, man. I'm calling. Well, unfortunately, I have to. Troy, you got Brady, you got Ryan, and you got Russell Wilson the next three weeks. I just don't see them winning. I, I, I could probably give you Seattle because we played so well against Seattle. But I just don't see it. it but you have proven me wrong before. Hey man, I'm just, I, I think I think this is the week, man. I really do. I think they are. I think they're going to beat the Patriots. It's going to be. I really want that up. seven and nine record. I really want that seven and nine do record. Do you really? Why? <laughs> Why? Not? Really? Come on, Oscar. Seriously. But you oh know God, I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right. You I know what? Let's get off for a different Let's... reason. No. <laughs> No, Let, let's get off this Cali. Let's get off this Cali drum roll. Uh, I, I was with Holly last night, and Holly tweeted me back after I posted this thing with Dickerson, and she says, uh, "Well, my team is worse," and I, I, I just couldn't even like her, her response on there. I was just what, like, "What?" Is what? Uh, wait, who is Holly? Holly cusses the Niners. Oh, Holly. Oh, I thought you said Cali. Yeah, Holly's like the Cali. Niners. No, 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 Holly. Holly cusses. Um, Anyways, we're in the same boat. I think we're on the same. We're in the same. We are in the same uh, mattress, uh, side by side. Unfortunately, she's closer to the Browns than my team is right now. So it's just one of those things. Um, Let's talk Cowboys. Let's talk Cowboys and Redskins because that's a better conversation right now. Um, Sorry, you haven't been here. You have not been here for two weeks. You You have not been here for two weeks, and we thought right off the bat. You know what? Well, you haven't been here for two weeks, and we thought right off the bat you were just avoiding us because you were gloating and silent. Oh, 
I don't vote silently. How about them cowboys? How about them cowboys? Seriously, come on. Rub it in. Oh, oh. I'm going to rub it in like a dry rub on a baby butt. What? Yes, baby butt. All right, guys. Yes. All right, guys. Good night, man. I got to go. I don't know why you hanging up because you're going to get it on the other Hey, Troy. Troy, can you pull the Kirk Cousins right now off off the end zone there? You know, you know what? You know what? You right, like that? Just say this. You, no, 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 let wait, me, hold on. You don't even have to like that. This. You like that? You like that? D A K, baby. What? Get some All right, punk. Uh, all right, you you, you, you finished? You got you you good? You you got all that out? All right. I think uh, Romo's so, co- I think so Romo's me, set up to come back next week. So so let me say this. Let me say this. Congratulations. I heard you. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to the Cowboys. And they won the game. But let me say this. Okay. I am quite happy with the direction of my team. Okay. You I'm gonna just say be. that and put I that see. out there. But, I, I, but well, let, I'm, let's I'm, talk about that. Now that I got Cowboys. my gloating. Now we got hold now on, that I got my gloating out. I'm gonna tell you hold why on. you should be proud because no, no, no. my second no, no, no. line hold on. secondary stuff. Hold on, hold on. Y'all okay, was killing us on the air game. So, so the Cowboys, what they've done, all right, what they've done is they set themselves up very early in the process. Number one, they took Jerry Jones out of the selection process. Okay, Stephen Jones is a, a great GM. So what he did was he built that offensive line, and then. With him picking Ezekiel Elliott was was the was the coup de gras. Okay, that was awesome. That was what was going to work. That Prescott, that pick right there, great pick. But they are extremely lucky. Nobody saw what Dak Prescott is going to do. I'm actually a believer in this kid. Now. Okay, so he has shown so much poise back there and so much great decision making. When he's during the game, and it doesn't really matter what they're what you come up with, you can blitz him, you can sit back in coverage, you can spy him, you can do all of these things. He figures out a way to adjust. I really like the way that they are playing right now. So I got to take my hat off to all the Cowboys, man. They they really got a jewel right there. I still don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they they are not far away. If they don't win it this year, they're definitely going to be in the mix for years to come with this group that they have. And so let me just say, in all honesty, now that I have my son with Troy, but in all honesty, I have nothing but respect for how hard the Skins played on Thursday. Because the truth be told, they were killing the secondary. Like, honestly, we have no pass rusher. So, therefore, we had no answer for Kirk Cousins' air game. We stopped the run game. We shut down your running backs. But y'all was killing us on our secondary, especially because Morris Claiborne is out. So, you know, we don't even have – we have no real cornerbacks. I mean, we have nobody in the backfield who could stop the air game. Y'all were killing us. And honestly, if we didn't have Zeke Elliott and we didn't have Dak Prescott, I, it would have been a different ball game. Because you shut down Witten. That whole Josh Norman, Des Bryant thing, that's a whole other story. But I have to respect Des for saying he didn't want to be Odell Beckham number two. So I have to respect that because he, he, he dialed it back. A little late, but he dialed it back. But in all honesty. You don't think Des is a crybaby? You don't think he's a crybaby because Norman just called I him do. out? Well, yeah, but here's the thing. They, but what I'm saying is that, in all honesty, Witten was shut down. 
Dez was shut down. Darn near shut down Cole Beasley. Like, you know, in all honesty, the skins were on it. The defense was on it. You made Dak work. Now, the beauty is that the kid has hops, the scramble, and he also has the ability to see the field. And with each game, I have to give him mad props for his um, pocket presence. People didn't expect him to have, and I can't pretend, me neither. Not this young, not this new. I mean, he really, truly has a good sense of the pocket and his presence and his ability to, you know, see multiple options while scrambling as opposed to Tony, who is scrambling and then would take himself and put himself in harm's way. Dak hasn't done that yet. So, I, I, you know, mad props. But the skins, it really and truly could have gone either way. And now the rivalry is fun again because both teams are playing honesty at top performance. So mad props to the Washington football team. Troy has called it, and you guys are going to be bounced off the first round. So it's just it's yep. just a matter of time before you guys are done. Can you That's not jinx it? it? Just, yep. How about you be happy? <laughs> out of there. How about you just be happy and let me Tony get Tony Romo's coming ball. back. I heard it. Coming back. Shout Romo's out. coming back. <laughs> you know I love my baby. Now, you all know I love that dimpled, big, fat, cheek dimpled man. I love him dearly. Let it go. He'll be a New York Jet next year. That's easy. <laughs> Um, you but know what, guys? You guys called it at the beginning. You guys called it at the beginning of the year. It was going to be the NFC East, and we're looking at it in terms of the playoffs picture right now. We are looking at the Giants and the Redskins in the hunt mode, and then you have um, Seattle, which is with an edge tie, second seed. Then you got the Lions of all teams, and then you got the Falcons. But you have the Giants and the Redskins in the hunt. Everybody else is chasing pretty much them at this point. So um, you guys had called at the beginning of the year when we, when we first talked about it that this was going to be the division to look for, and obviously the Eagles have dropped off considerably. So, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight between now. It's going to be very, very interesting between the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins down, the, down this, uh, this stretch here in terms of every win's going to matter in terms of the division standing, not so much for the Cowboys, but a lot more for the oh, Giants. No, 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 it matters for us. No, let me tell you, in all honesty, I have nothing but respect for all the teams in the NFC East. And we cannot take any single game for granted. Because in all honesty, I don't want to be the New England Patriots that almost had it all, and, and they went 17-1. and and then they lost in the Super Bowl. I don't want to be that New England team. Now, clearly we've already lost one game to the Giants. So the reality is that any given Sunday means any given Sunday. You don't take anything for granted. And I was listening to some sports show the other day, and they were naming the top the five teams that they thought could knock the Cowboys off. I could think of four, but I couldn't think of the fifth one. And all honesty, I said it, I, the Skins, the Giants, the Falcons, um and um Seattle. Troy, can you? Oscar? Um on any given Sunday I would say it's a possibility that Atlanta could do it. Um if you get them in the Atlanta, right light. Yeah. I mean this team they 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 But they, I called Atlanta. They caught, they but caught, I called Atlanta. Caught, that's that's oh, what I'm saying. Okay. I called so Atlanta. You, got, you said Atlanta, the Redskins, Atlanta, the Giants. Just, 
Redskins, the Giants, and the Seahawks. That's four. I can't think of a fifth team. I don't, I'm not going to say the Eagles because look at what they're doing. So who else in the NFC could knock us off to keep us from going to the Super Bowl? I can't think of another team. Uh, well, you just named all the teams that's in the playoffs pretty much. <laughs> so, I mean, I love, except for the Lions. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, they're, I mean, but, you, you know, again, you got to give them props. I mean, right now they're the best team in the league. So, you know, you can't take anything away from them with that respect. But I will say this. Um, you know, and, and we we kind of talked about that. You know, a couple of friends of mine, we talked about that. And, you know, is it going to be – because, I mean, I just think the Cowboys are going to be in the playoffs. Um, but is it going to be like the Cowboys in 1992 who were so young but they were brash enough and confident enough to not care about – you know, them being a young team and they just went in and dominated the Super Bowl anyway, or are they going to get on that playoff stage and get the jitters? I just, I mean, that's just one of the things that I'm waiting to see is, you know, to see how they're going to handle the spotlight. That, that be because everybody knows that the regular season is one thing, but the playoffs is a whole different animal. So, you know, when that, when you know, everybody's a lot faster, everybody's playing a lot tougher. I mean, the schemes change up a little bit. So how are they going to handle that? Uh, you know, it's not so much about um, handling adversity with this team right now. It's, it's how are they going to handle success going forward? The Giants scare me because the Giants have always found a way, especially with Manning, to kind of uh, upset. Well, I mean, you know, I keep I keep hearing that. Like, I, I just, you know, I like to. I like to, you know, that people, you know, look at the Giants that way. But, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that the Giants hadn't been in the playoffs for four years. And so, you know, uh, they really don't have that kind of track record either. Now, they're, they've benefited from a, a pretty weak schedule, and they've gotten away with virtually – they've gotten away with a lot of bad play. But I think some of that is going to start to – it's going to start to scale back a little bit. I mean, they got a big game this weekend. They have to go into Pittsburgh and play. Um, you know, it's a 4 o'clock game. So it's going to be a big game for them. Um, you know, and it's this one of those matchups you like to see. It's going to be um, Antonio Brown against Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that's going to be one of those showcases right there. So, I mean, that's going to be a must-see game right there. But I'm just going to see how New York handles it. Now, their Pittsburgh's defense hasn't played well at all this year. But of the flip side of it, New York's offense, they're not the New York offense of old where they've just been, you know, chucking it down the field. There's been a lot of short passes and you know, um, you know, so they don't make the they don't make the big play as much as they used to. So it's gonna be interesting to see when they start to play, you know, going down a stretch, a better slate of a better group of teams that they're gonna play, how are they gonna to adjust to it? So we'll see if New York is actually just actually just padded their schedule in the beginning or are they for real? So Troy, at this point, you guys in the hunt. You got the Bucks at six and five. The Vikings, who have completely, you know, slid from their uh, first, you know, five weeks when they were very explosive. Diggs coming back. We hear Peterson will be back in two weeks. Um, the Saints are. I think the Saints are underperforming. I mean, they're more. They have better potential this week. They didn't even throw to Brandon Cook, and I'm so mad. You know, I was. I had him on my fantasy team, and that's the only reason I'm pointing it out. What the hell, man? Not even one throw. This Drew Brees guy just stinks right now for me. 
Um, and then Aaron Rodgers winning last night. Uh, I mean, they pretty much controlled the whole game last night against Philly. Philly just completely is just, uh, you know, offensively, they're just not, not good anymore. Uh, the, 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 uh, Arizona Cardinals, what happened to them? I mean, we've been talking about them for the last three weeks, Troy, and, you know, Arians and company here, they're just four and six and one. That's just almost as, almost as horrible as the Rams. Um, and then you got Carolina, who obviously is four and seven. But the, re- the reality of the of the the playoff picture right now in the NFC is going to be who's going to be able to go, you know, in the top four. So that means crucial matchups this week. The Lions and the Falcons they got to keep winning in order for to you know stay in the hunt. Uh, the wild card really is just the Giants and the Redskins right now, and they you know it's, it's going to be pretty tight between those four teams. Uh, I think Seattle pretty much has it locked in. If they win another game or two, uh, they're pretty much going to be there. Uh, it's Dallas's, you know, moment to slide. If they slide, they're still in it, so it's not a crucial for them. But the Lions and Falcons at this point, I mean, where do you see them? Uh, for me, watching the Lions play is, is you know, it's, it's extraordinary because no one thought that they would do this without Calvin Johnson back there. And they just continue just to go about their business and make plays. And Matthew Stafford, I mean, they, it wasn't a game that they played this season where they weren't trailing going into the fourth quarter, and they won seven of those games. That's scary. That is just scary. I mean, and not to mention, like, he he really relishes that. Like, he really enjoys that, you know, that spotlight. He enjoys being in that spot where nah, like, I love Brett Barr, right? Stafford's kind of like yeah, Brett I Barr mean, in that way. Yeah, and so, you know, and not to mention, they're doing that without – a running game. They're doing that without a really viable defense. Uh, they, I mean, they're, they're opportunistic on the defensive side, but they're not. They're not a juggernaut at all. So, what they've done is effectively kept themselves in games. Uh, they made plays when they had to, and then in the final minute, they, you know, they make the plays to win the game. How long are they going to be able to keep that up? That's the question. I mean, now, m- most of the time, if you look around the league and you look at all the scores. Most games are very tight. And so that's really the difference between the good teams and the bad teams. Can the good teams finish? And obviously Detroit's been able to finish this year. Going down the stretch, are they going to be able to keep that up or are they going to start losing ground to a Green Bay team who is now just now starting to get healthy on the defensive side? And and also uh, Aaron Rodgers looking like he the, the last four weeks, man, this guy's been on fire. He's got 15 touchdowns. I'm sorry, 17 touchdowns. And, you know, he's got that team running, you know, uh, uh, working on all cylinders on the offensive side. It's the defensive side that they have to worry about. So Detroit has to learn, has to figure out a way to stay off, uh, you know, a Green Bay team that's trying to get it together and also to see if Minnesota can catch fire going down the stretch. It's going to be a real tight in that central division, excuse me, that north division. Yeah, the North Division is going to be the one to watch because there is so much parity in that particular division that, like, there literally is no clear-cut team that you can honestly say is going to come out of that division. Whereas the NFC East, we definitely have two teams that I'm pretty sure are coming out of that division. In the NFC West, we've got Seattle. Um, In the South, it's going to be the Falcons, and they've clearly come out and said that, you know what, we're taking control of this division this year. Um, I honestly don't know who is coming out of the North. We know who it ain't going to be, and that's the Bears. But all the other three teams, 
sorry, Eric, we love you, but um, <laughs> the other thing is literally. I'm in the Eric boat, by the way, and we're we're swimming towards the Titanic. <laughs> Sucks. Right. That's a yeah, bad there's, football there's, team. There's, I know there's a there's an iceberg, but it's it's called a uh, Jay Cutler. Um, no, Ouch. What? Why are we playing this game? Okay, this is this is be honest. Why are we playing this game? Jay Cutler is who we thought he is. He's an extremely talented quarterback who has produced mediocre mediocre results for the past five or six years. He is more up and down than an ultrasound. I mean, realistically, the talent level is there, and as soon as you start getting the results you think you're going to get. He dips below sea level. I'm sorry. That's just who Jay Cutler is, and that's what he's given us. So the reality is there's so much parity in the NFC North, I honestly can't call it. And as far as Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be really, really, really tricky because I know I'm not supposed to talk about the Packers. Um, But the reality is, and watching him play that game against the Colts, I was just dismayed because he was throwing up all these long bombs. Now, one thing I can say is offensive line gives him so much time to scramble. And he was throwing up these crazy Hail Marys trying to make the big play. And yet he honestly is a lot more successful lately when he goes for these short yard passes. And that really seems to be the winning formula this season. It's not the long bomb. It's not the 20, 30-yard plays. The teams that honestly have been more successful are the teams who just get down the field. So if it means you go five, you go seven, you go three yards, oh, next thing you know, you got first down. You go eight, you go 11. It's better to go small and get down the field than to keep trying to air it out and get a sports center highlight. And, and that's really what I've noticed is the big difference this year in terms of the teams that have been successful. Well, so Troy, AFC, Troy, AFC. Let's move the AFC because I, I don't want to talk about Bears and North anymore. But let's let's move the AFC right now because uh, you guys called the Raiders at the beginning of the season, and here they are nine and two, and then they're right neck neck and neck with obviously Tom Brady, who which at the beginning of the season we're like, oh, four games out, they you know they're going to be fine, and they are fine, and they here they are at nine and two. Um, Ravens, the Texans have completely just fallen off since the Mexico trip, two weeks in a row now, a loss. And then the yeah, surprising they must Chiefs. Have drank the water. And you, you, yeah, and Troy, you've called the Chiefs uh, almost uh, almost four weeks in a row now by saying, "Hey, you got to watch this team. Watch this team, and look what they did against Denver." Well, I, the, for me, the Chiefs, and the reason why it's for me it's easy to call the Chiefs is because, and no one else picks them, is because the Chiefs aren't your highlight team. All right, they're not going to have. They don't have a flashy wide receiver that does funny little dances and shakes his ass in the end zone. They don't have a guy that's going to do cartwheels and jumping all on the camera. You got a team full of guys who are bought into what Andy Reid wants to do, and these guys are just flat out playing football and they're beating your ass and they're getting off the field. You got to respect that. You got to respect that. I mean, so when you watch a team like that, I mean, everybody's talking about. You know, who's the best pass rusher, um, you know, and nobody's mentioned it, Justin Houston. Did anybody watch that game on Sunday? I mean, he – I don't care who you put in front of him when Denver's offensive lineman. Justin Houston was just beating people down. And then you still got Tom Bahali on the other side 
Anytime you have two great pass rushers, it's a problem. Their secondary is just lighting people up. Eric Berry, man, coming back from cancer, he is an absolutely scary dude. Every single it, – um, it, it seemed like every hit that that team put on a Denver player on, on Sunday was just loud and it was violent. And I expected to see and the, a whole the lot the victory of in overtime, the victory in overtime just says awesome. a lot about them. It was awesome. And they don't, just watch, they don't to watch that team to, to watch that team play and to have it on this, on that stage right there because a lot of people really don't pay attention to the Chiefs. But I love the way they played. To me, it was just like finally somebody's going to start talking about this team. So well, they played they gritty, good old-fashioned football. Yeah, they play yeah. gritty, good old-fashioned football. They keep going. They don't stop. I, I'm with you 100%, Troy. Um, and, and you know what? It's no. You know what it is? It's no frills football. It's good old-fashioned fundamental. That's what I was going to say. That's, no frills. That's perfect. It's no frills. It's just fundamental football. It's smash mouth. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to wear you down. And I'm going to keep coming at you. Because in, now, in all honesty, we do have to admit they were playing Trevor Simeon. And truthfully, nobody knew what to expect out of that kid. I mean, I remember everybody was scratching their head when they were like, you're going to play who? You're going to start. What's his name again? How do you spell that? And I have to say, that kid has shown a lot of poise in the pocket. And and in all honesty, I like what I'm seeing out of Trevor Simeon, in all honesty. Uh, what he's been able to do and, and, to, and to command that team and walk in Manning's footsteps, those are some pretty big shoes to follow. And yet the Broncos have bought into him as the team leader. So I have to give Trevor Simeon a lot of respect in that regard. But at the same time, again, with what Troy said, no frills, smash mouth, football, ground and pound, and I love it. Troy, what about Miami? Miami Miami is basically in the same boat as as, uh, Kansas City. They're in the wild card at this point. They they have won the last couple weeks here. They, you know, obviously against – some lower class teams like the Rams. So uh, Tannehill and company sort of in that hunt now. I, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't know if they're for real, but I can tell you right now, you know, they're winning the games they're supposed to win. And so that puts them in a position right now where they're in good standing. And you got to feel good if you're a Miami fan right now, you're seven and four and uh, you know, only the Ravens and can literally lose themselves out because uh, if if the Ravens and Texans lose, then obviously that puts them right there in the top four. Well, r- right now they are on a, a six-game losing streak after starting the season one of four. Um, and no one really expected much out of them this year. Um, you know, they lost Lamar Miller to Houston. They didn't know who was going to be their running back. Um, you know, but all of a sudden, Jay Ajayi, becomes a superstar. I mean, this guy, I mean, 200 yards in two straight games a season. It's the first time it's been done in the NFL in a long time. They are running the football, and they are just being very efficient. So they're going to need Tannehill to, to play a little bit better. Uh, you know, he's he's been getting it done in the fourth quarter. Um, so he's been, you know, um, kind of getting his Matthew Stafford on a little bit. So, I mean, what they do is, you know, they keep themselves in the game. And, you know, then they find a way to win in, in, at the end. 
And so going forward, man, I mean, this is this is starting to get interesting because their next four games, I mean, they have the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Jets, the Bills, and then they finish out the season with the Patriots. Those those four games that I just named, they're all winnable games. They're all winnable games. Now, three of them are on the road, but it's going to start to get really interesting if the, 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 the Dolphins win out and then go into that game against the Patriots, where the Patriots have won the last 13 out of 15 AFC East titles. I mean, it's, I, I didn't think I would see that. I mean, they're right on their heels. They're two games behind them right now. So, I, I like Brian, you know what? The, the worst defense. part about it they're is they're making plays. The worst part about it is they, they got Frisco. The worst part was they, they got Frisco in Los Angeles the last two weeks and they win. I think that helped them a lot. Oh, well, yeah. I think but, the I mean, other but, part of it is what you were saying too. I think they again that was another club though that was so toxic in their culture that they literally had to do like this massive just firehouse dump. You know, in oh, terms yeah. of just all of the foolishness. And I think that their new um, coach really set a tone in the middle of last season. You know, he didn't do it loudly. He didn't make a big scene. He didn't come in beating his chest and all that other stuff. He just came in quietly and turned it around. But I agree with Troy. You know, Tannehill has potential. Um, but, again, he's another one of those inconsistent guys so, and I think the problem is that we've gotten so used to the Drew Brees, the Tony Romos, the Peyton Manning, just put up the long bombs, that, you know. And, and I, I go back to that because that was a different era. You know, we were just all about the Sports Center highlight plays, you know. Right. Uh, and, it, and what you were saying earlier about the um, even with the Giants and then not being able to put up the big plays on offense. Well, it's not that they're not putting up the big plays, but they're just not going for the long plays, which look good where you've got the wide receiver, he beats his man by five yards, and then, you know, he literally can just dance his way into the end zone. Now it's more important to go for the short pass and see what the wide receiver can do with the yards after the catch. And that's a different style of football that we're seeing now, and and the quarterbacks are changing in their terms of their style of play. And I bet we got more. At, you got more tight end and running back plays now than you do long bombs. To your yes, point, yes, absolutely, that's and it, it, it and it makes a difference because with that being said, then if we don't expect Tannehill to play like a Drew Brees, and then we find the coach who's going to give him the players that will play to his strengths. Because look at Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley never would have been this successful under Tony Romo because that's not who he is. But look at what he puts up in the yards after the catch. So the same thing with Tannehill. Tannehill can find his Cole Beasley, you know, who can just take the short pass, and then once he's gotten it, he can then produce an extra three to four yards after he gets the catch, then that's what he really needs. And if they can put the players around him to play to his strengths, which is what it seems like the Dolphins are finally starting to do, then it's less of creating false expectations based on his talent. Well, the All right, so, is, is Keisha, we are you hanging out? Are you going to hang out? I will hang out. You guys get me for another 20 minutes, and then I have to go. All right, no worries. Go ahead, Troy. Yeah, I got well, you. The, well, yeah, the, thing is, is, 
the thing is, is like if you are a mid-level team, then you can get away with porous or, you know, mid-level quarterback play. But what you're talking about now are teams that are in the playoff chase. And typically, when it comes down to it, the difference between the teams that are going to advance in the playoffs is the quarterback play. And so that's why, you know, with, with, with the teams with the higher records, I emphasize more so on quarterback play with those guys than, say, you know, a team like Buffalo, where I'm like, okay, they can get by right now until, you know, they get to a point where they're ready for a contention point. But, you know, if Tannehill doesn't step up his play, they're just not going to – they're not going to be able to advance far in the playoffs. It's just that simple. And right now, if you if their playoffs started today, they would be in. And But the crazy thing is that Denver would be out, which was I, – I didn't, I didn't even realize that. But they would be in right now. And so – when you look at that, those are going to be the things that are going to separate the teams that are going to advance and the teams are, you know, just may have one game is, is the quarterback play. So Tannehill is going to have to start growing up now that his team is starting to win. They're going to have to end up – they're going to count on him at one point, and we just want to see if he's going to step up. This week is a big week because it's a week of sleepers, as you said, Troy. Uh, Jaguars visit Denver, could have an upset there. The Patriots take on the Rams. Could have another upset there. <laughs> what a am I? Am I on drugs or what? This is just bad. Bad <laughs> Anyway. So Troy, tell me, <laughs> what do you see? Okay, so yeah. Troy, when we started this season, we talked about our sleepers. I said my sleeper, of course, was always my Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders. Troy, you said yeah. your sleeper was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you just totally had this awesome analysis of Blake Bortles and his percentage records and his, you know, and what he was doing in terms of the numbers he was putting up. Are you still going to defend and continue to defend Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because I, I really defer to your analysis because you, that was your team. Well, only I mean, Blake Bortles last year, Blake, Blake Bortles last year, he threw for 35 touchdowns. And then you had the Allen brothers. You know, those guys would just lighten it up. So I figured this year they would come in, they really put a concentration on defense with the free agents that they picked up and also in the draft get Jalen Ramsey. Um, and, uh, you know, so I just thought that they would take that step up. Now, Jalen Ramsey actually is turning into – right now he's, he's probably like a top 15 corner. But maybe next year and the year after that, I mean, you're going to start talking about this guy in top five. But let's be honest, Blake Borders has regressed. He has been wildly inconsistent. Uh, he's been throwing a lot of interceptions. Uh, his confidence is starting to take a hit in some of these games, but then some of the games he comes back and he plays very well. They are just flat out not a very good football team at this point, but a lot of that you have to point to Blake Bortles. But if you if you ever watch a Jacksonville game, and God help you if you do, all right, you realize that he doesn't have a whole lot of protection on the offensive line. And this guy's taking an absolute beating. And so some of those things do come into play when it comes down to it. You know, a lot of times when you give an analysis from the beginning of the year, you look at numbers, you don't really take into context the offensive line, and then you had injuries there. I think that attributed to a lot of his wildly inconsistent play this year. But let's just call the spade a spade. I was wrong about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm a man. I can come back and admit it, but that's cool. Everybody messes up every now and then. But you know what though? But that was not. But see, but not. And I all honestly, my question was not to troll you because you honestly saw something there. 
And what yeah, I think yeah. is that you still see something there, but I will have oh, to yeah. agree with you that there are some holes that need to be filled in that team. Because truthfully, when Blake Bortles first came in the league, I too was impressed with that young man. He had so much moxie and he did not quit. You know, he had everything that you were talking about in terms of the numbers because, you know, his touchdown percentage and as well as as well as his passer rating continued to go up for those first three years. It's only this year that he's regressed. And that's why I'm asking, what do you think is the cause yeah. of that regression? Because I'm not saying you were wrong. I'm saying no, no, I got you, everything I got you. you said, you were absolutely right. No, I, and that's why I'm saying, what do you no, think I, is causing this regression? And how can the Jaguars get back on track? No, I'm just being self-deprecating, that's all. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, when you look at their offensive line, their offensive line, just they just flat out not getting it done, not, not only in pass blocking, but also in running the ball also. They've been wildly inconsistent. T.J. Yeldon, he's not panning out like they thought they would. Um uh, Chris Ivory, they picked him up from the Jets uh, this past season. They thought he was going to be the bell cow. He's always been a tough running back. He had a he had some kind of a weird infection in his leg that kept him hospitalized three to four games. He hasn't come back to look to form either. That defense is just underperformed. And so, you know, you may be looking at the coaching change coming up next year. I don't know who would even want to coach that down in Jacksonville, Florida. But, I mean, you know, that's the life of the NFL head coach. But I just think that they do have some pieces there. They just really need somebody to come put that together. And, look, don't – let me also say this about Jacksonville. Don't discount the fact that Tom Coughlin wants to coach again. He had that team going. Right, he got right. that team to the AFC That's championship true. game. Do not discount whether or not that guy will come down there and write that ship in Jacksonville. I think that would be a fabulous – coaching hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I actually have to agree. What an opus. I will tell you the teams on the AFC outside of the um, Oakland Raiders, who I honestly have to say has blown my mind in terms of what they've been putting on the field, and we're not talking about them either, the Tennessee Titans. And can I just give kudos to the man because what we've what you were just talking about, Chris Ivory, in terms of what we thought he was going to do, DeMarco Murray has turned it around, and he looks like the running back he was in Dallas. Big up to DeMarco Murray, because that's another team we're not talking about, and that's the Tennessee Titans. He was also I mean, a fantasy yeah, disappointment I mean... last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hate that fantasy stuff, man. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say this. With, with Tennessee, when when it came down to it, just how they selected their players and the trades that they made in the offseason, they picked up DeMarco Murray in the trade. Uh, they picked up Derrick Henry, the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama. You have Marcus Mariota, who you already had there, who was also a running threat at quarterback. Every pick that they made after that, including their trades, were geared toward the offensive line and the defensive line. You knew what they were going to do. You knew what they were going to do. They're going to get to this ground and pound deal. And let me tell you something. It's been working. DeMarco Murray right now is already over 1,000 yards this season. Uh, Derrick Henry has been a great compliment for him. I love watching Marcus Mariota play. Man, this dude is he, – I'm telling you, he is something. America is missing a whole lot of good quarterback play because this dude is an absolute baller. He is a baller. 
if you have not seen this guy play, whenever you get a chance, when you get an NFL Sunday ticket, uh, you know, go to a bar, do something. you got to watch this kid play. They're on a bye week this week. But he is an absolute great quarterback. I love watching this dude play. He's, I'm telling you right now, he's going to be in the top ten quarterbacks in the next two years. Mark my words on that. All right, guys. It, so I, um, mm-hmm. the Browns are off this week. The Thank, Oh, really? But, uh, Have they been going all season? Well, no, well, yeah, but you you know what I mean. I meant I'm physically on the schedule. We understand the on-field. Yeah. Good job, Kinkishi. That's a good analysis there. They've been off all year. <laughs> um, let's 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 do our top three that will not include some bad teams. Uh, so I, I would say here's my top three that I'm looking forward to is um, Dolphins and Ravens this week because of the uh, implications of the wild card as well as if if the Dolphins win that would put them ahead and into the top four. So that's pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to Texans and Packers. I just want to see how this Houston team will rebound. I think uh, the Packers are on the right track, as Troy was mentioning. Um, I think they're up on the upswing here. The other game that I'm looking forward to is Kansas City-Atlanta. That's the game that I'm going to be so excited for because that puts uh, Atlanta, even though they're in the hunt, uh, they can't afford to lose this game. They just move forward, especially if they want to stay in contention with um, Detroit and Seattle. So uh, the Chiefs obviously have a lot to gain here by winning. They keep you know, being number two right next to the Raiders. So that's my three picks for this week. I think it will be the Chiefs winning uh, over the Falcons. I really do. And I'm taking the um, – what was the other game that I showed you guys right now? Dolphins. I think Dolphins will edge the Ravens, and I think the Packers will take care of the Texans. Uh, well, the, the three games that I want to see, first and foremost, would be New York and Pittsburgh. I just think two pivotal games for both of those teams. New York is still trying to stay in that first wild card spot, and they're still trying to stay ahead of the Washington Redskins who took a step back with that loss. Um, Pittsburgh right now, um, they're they're chasing or right with uh, Baltimore, and you know that that league is still up for grabs. They still want to be. They have a chance to win the, their uh, their North title. So I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really great game. Not to mention just the individual matchup for Odell Beckham and, and uh, Antonio Brown. That's one of those wide receiver matchups. I mean, the NFL is all about offense, so that's one that you want to see. The other game, surprisingly, will be Tampa Bay and San Diego. Now, Tampa Bay, if you want to talk about teams that you're, no one's talking about, these teams, that team has won three straight right now. And they are very streaky and they're very sneaky. Uh, uh, Evans, Michael Evans, the, 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 the wide receiver that they have there, over 1,000 yards. Very good fantasy guy. Winston. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. Beat the Seahawks this past week. And just in, in the week before that, they beat that same Kansas City team that I've bought. So they are hot right now. And then on the flip side, you got San Diego, who, in my opinion, they can beat anybody on any given Sunday. Okay? They just have, always have a rash of injuries. San Diego is just like Green Bay. They just stay their mass unit every single season. I don't know what it is. Maybe they just need to change locker rooms or something. But that San Diego team going out to San Diego, it could be a tough go for Tampa Bay, and they're right. They're riding a hot streak right now. They're right in the wild card mix. They're six and five. If they win this, they're going to seven and five. 
and that was one of the teams that also picked as a sleeper. The other team that I want, the other game that I wanted to see is Buffalo and Oakland. Oakland super hot streak right now. All right, they're nine and two. They're balling out of control. They're out and they're going. You have to go out to Oakland to play this game. But listen, Buffalo is one of those sneaky teams that can beat anybody. Also, Tyrod Taylor, great quarterback. And then you got Shady McCoy. This guy's been running the ball like a maniac. He looks like he did his his first two seasons in Philadelphia right now. And so, and they also play very good defense. They they play tough defense and opportunistic. So that's going to be a great matchup. You got a lot of great matchups this weekend, but those are my top three. And I'm also one more time my upset pick. You heard it here first. The L.A. Rams will beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough. You heard it here first. All right, now. Wow. Okay, so my games are, of course, the Cowboys and Vikings. Um, and let me tell you why. Because, honestly, the Vikings, every they've fallen off of everyone's radar. No, Thank because you. the Vikings have fallen off everybody's <laughs> – I'm not paying either one of you any attention. Uh, the Vikings have fallen off of everybody's radar. And you know what? I'm not ready to sleep on Sam Bradford yet. You know, I'm not ready to sleep on what they're doing. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, that team was totally clicking on all cylinders. And like I told you, I don't take any team or any game for granted from now until the big one. And, therefore, every game is any given Sunday. Um, But I'm going to go with Lions and the Saints because Matthew Stafford, like you guys have said, you know, his just it's gonna be high power. I'm not gonna say he, it's gonna be high power. And and the thing is, it's not that he's turned it around, but ironically, he's he's like you said, no one thought he was gonna be able to do it. You know, I mean, when he lost Megatron, and yet his quiet confidence, and that's not even quiet. He just continually put his team on his back. He of course he had all those injuries for the first three years, you know, of his career, and now he's finally playing like the number one pick that he was. So I don't want to put anything past him. The Saints are still scrapping because the NFC South is still up for grabs. And I don't – Drew Brees is such a fighter. He, they're not ready to turn it in yet. So I'm going Cowboys and Vikings. I've got um, the Lions and the Saints. And my other game is with Troy. I'm going with the Bills and the Raiders. Again, uh, the Bills were my other sleeper team because, again, Tyrod Taylor – is another one of those quarterbacks. He's not fancy. There's no frills, but the kid hustles. He's able to make the scrambles. He's able to run with the ball, but he's also got a really good pocket presence. And what he's been able to do, again, with the, that quiet leadership and and what they're putting up. And, again, this is a Rex Ryan defense. Now, I mean, I don't expect anything less out of the Bills in their defense. So, truthfully, that's another game that I want to watch. And I want to see how does uh, Carr and this pinky injury, you know, how how serious that impacts his play. Uh, I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. But I know that, you know, that little quiet storm is really doing something big over there in Oakland. So my two sleeper teams are playing each other this weekend. So I want to see how they do. So Monday night, we got to pick one. Jets, Colts, I'm going with New York. I think they have what it takes, uh, especially if Andrew Luck's not going to play. Um, They're both a mess. But I I guess New York, it must win for them more so than the Colts. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I still feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's just, God, that's just painful. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I can't. Yeah, I can't with a good conscience pick Ryan Poop's pants quick. I can't really <laughs> pick that guy. So I mean, I have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with the Colts, and that's Me especially too. if it's Andrew gang, it, plays. It's, it's gangrene. It's a. It's gangrene. It's affecting him. <laughs> gangrene. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> I can't with. I can't with either one of you. Yeah, in good conscience. Um, and well, the, the the sad part is that you know Ryan Fitzpatrick of last year is not the Ryan Fitzpatrick of this year, and he's reverted. He's another one of those players that has regressed, and so um, until time goes, Geno Smith. Go Geno Smith. I, Oh, that's just painful. I don't know what's worse between the two of them. That's another team that is going to have to invest this season and in the offseason. They've got to invest in a quarterback because this is just pathetic. If those are your only two options, God bless you and good luck in the NFL. Oh, man. I mean, but that's the thing. I I got a tweet saying that this is a a (laughs) pregame in season. So that's yeah, it's just, oh snap, that's awful! That's Y'all call me trolling. <laughs> but that's the thing about Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, this is his third time regressing. I mean, you know, he he, he played well for the Bills, and you know they gave him a big contract, and then he went out and became Ryan Fitzpatrick again. And then he went to the Texans, he played well, and then he became Ryan Fitzpatrick again. I mean, how many times are the teams going to buy into this guy? It's the beard. Yeah, <laughs> he keeps bringing the beard back. Yeah, he's he's terrible. He's, he's well, terrible. it is. Well, just remember, November will be over. No shave, November will be over as of Thursday. So maybe he will get rid of it because the only thing that's get because truthfully, his beard is catching more than his rod receivers. I'm just saying. Oh gosh, yeah, a lot of soup. What? A lot yeah. of soup. A lot of soup in that beard. A lot of soup. That's all I'm saying. All right, so for all the lonely fans out in Frisco and Chicago, I think uh, it's the it, it is the matchup of the season. It's the bottom of the barrel because the Browns are not in the mix right now. So it's uh, one in ten Niners. Sorry, uh, sorry, Holly, and it's against the two and nine Bears. Sorry, Eric. So this is about as sorry as it's going to get. Besides that Monday night game with the Jets and. So, um, wh- who are we picking? Are we taking the Bears over the Niners? Oh, God. They're actually playing a football game? They're, they're really going to play? This is it, buddy. There's two teams? This is the battle Wait, for last. there's two teams in this game? Oh, I'm just saying, are there two teams two in this teams. game? Two teams. Kaepernick, uh-huh. and I don't know who the quarterback for the Bears is, but it's got to be somebody. Uh, it's not Cutler. Uh, you know what? I think – I think I'm going Bears. Bears will have the worst record. Yeah, I think Kaepernick's playing better. I mean, if you look at his numbers, the reality his numbers is Kaepernick isn't. And, and now Kaepernick isn't bad. In he good conscience, I cannot pick San Francisco, so I will go Chicago. Otherwise, my wife will kill me. I understand, but <laughs> well, in all honesty, look at Car- I mean, Carlos Hyde is not living up to expectations. Remember, well, okay, so Holly, I'm going to call you. <laughs> I told you don't trust that guy. I told you he's not that good. I, I try to tell you guys. God. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I I don't know. Uh, I I just think I just think right now that um this whoever wins this game is probably going to have to just pat themselves on the back. I'm thinking this is going to be one of those like 
high scoring games because they're on they're on the same level of misery. So they might it might be high scoring. Oh, so I'm just saying. So I'm I mean, so I'm trolling Holly. Yeah, I just man, yeah. They're really gonna play this game. They're really gonna play. I just yeah. They are at Soldier Field of all places. I do. You know what? I, you know what? I think this is the perfect time for me. The perfect time for me to take a trip to Chicago. Those those tickets got to be very cheap for this game. So I mean, they got to be Soldier cheap. Field. Yeah. I, if you want to sit in 29 degree weather, if you want to sit in 29 you know degree, I, think, I went man. there once. That stinks. Oh man. Oh man. I, I like cold weather, man. So I, I mean, I'll take it. You know, I think I might do that game. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I'm God. cute. I don't do cold. <laughs> I don't do all that right. because so, I'm uh, best and all my not unless it's gonna be an indoor stadium like the Colts. You want me to be cold? You well, gotta put course. me indoors. Of course, I'm not even you. my own wife would go to Soldier Field. She was so so uh, adamant about going to the Edward Jones Dome. I'm like, you're a traitor. You should be like banging Dude, your money out there. Let me tell you, forget that. I she would rather I, be in the visiting zone than at the home zone. <laughs> Dude, all I'm gonna tell you. Is I have been to Soldier Field in November, and I was on the field yeah. as a cheerleader. No, 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 no. I was on the field as a cheerleader. Evil. It was so bad. This is like one of the best stories ever. It was so bad. One of the guys in the marching band was so cold, he literally froze, and he fell over. And our band director, Chief Yell. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow. You got to remember, you're talking about a bunch of, you, you got to remember, we were a bunch of kids, you know, from Mississippi. So it was Mississippi Valley State University and Grambling State University playing in the Coca-Cola Bowl or the Coca-Cola Classic. Wow. And we played in Soldier Field. And the guys in the band were getting ready to go on field and the dude was so cold, he literally locked up. He fell over, and our band director, Chief, yelled, get my horn off the ground. Chief didn't yell, get the wow. get the band dude. Chief yelled, get my horn It gets pretty bad. It gets, like, ground. below 20 degrees there. Yeah, it gets pretty bad. for whatever reason, the wind, I'm thinking we were going to be okay because Soldier Field goes down. And so I thought the wind was going to stay up. No, it swoops oh, down no, no. on the field. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that was my worst experience as a cheerleader ever. By halftime, we were done. We were on the bench with hot chocolate huddled up under blankets. And all I could think of was just get me back to the hotel so I could take a hot shower for an hour to unfold my whole body. I couldn't even jump. I could do no jump. I was done. I couldn't even do a split because I was scared I wasn't getting back up. Y'all can have Soldier Field. You know my experience there? My experience was right next to me on the same row that my wife was in. We're in coats, and we're, like, trying to keep ourselves warm. There's two guys next to us literally naked and having beer like it's just, you know, water faucets. And I'm sitting there going, these guys are mentally unstable. They got to be mentally unstable. And literally, they were hairless. They were just like with no clothes on. They were just like right out there, and they're like just having a great time. Twenty nine degrees. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, Not I, good. I, I don't coming from California. Could do that. that is crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's like those that is guys crazy. I was like, I was looking at him, and I was like, what is your problem, dude? 
<laughs> Is that like the guy in Green problem. Bay who walk around with nothing on but green paint and gold yeah. paint? Yeah, I can't do it. Oh, can't man. do it. Jeez, can you can you imagine that? All right. Um, I, I can't. And Keisha, are you leaving now? Yes, I am headed out for the night. It has been fabulous. Um, I have missed you all. I will be back next week. And um, how about them Cowboys? Yeah, I know Cowboy Nation yeah. has had been tweeting us about your absence. And I, we were just we, we were joking the last two weeks about how, you know, you were just kind of savoring your moment to come back, especially after their, no, you know, their 10 I, win no, season. All, but no, uh, in all we did honesty, poke fun. No, 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 no. I have totally missed you guys. Um, no, last week was just um, uh, it was just a bad week, and we've we've had some little sick people running around my house. So, um, Cowboys Nation, I am still here. I am representing strong, blue and silver for life, baby. Yeah, we thought you'd pull a Hillary and just not come up and acknowledge your your winning streak. <laughs> See, I can't stand you. <laughs> Just because we're both females, I'm going to need you to back up off of Pantsuit Nation. That would you I'm do. assuming you, you are with her, so that would be Cowboy Nation. No, I am with me, and I am with, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I'm giving props to Redheaded Jesus this week, this year. I'm giving nice. props to Redheaded Jesus this year. But, I, but I'm going to tell you who I'm with. I'm with I'm with the Dak Knight. The Dak Knight rises, and that's where I roll. Oh boy, that's how I roll. I got the call as, soon, as before you were talking. I got the call that Romo is returning. That's what I'm getting the I, rumors. You know what? He can, the look, all I'm gonna tell you <laughs> now. Y'all know I love me some Romo because he's fine. All I need him to do is sit on the bench and smile at me with the big old dimples. That's all you need to do. That's what you do. I will tell and you, that, Troy no, did honestly, have a good laugh. Troy did have a good laugh that Tro- that Romo had to actually go on a podium and acknowledge that the kid is now at the helm of the show. Hilarious. That was hilarious. Okay, so that here's what hilarious. I'm going to say. My honest and true hope, honestly, and and I'm my honest and true hope is that we make it to the Super Bowl and that we win. But in that winning, we allow Tony to play for at least one quarter of the game because oh, otherwise. Oh come on, Kichi. He's done. Well, listen. He's already conceded. He's done. Point. He lost the election. Okay. He lost the election. Okay. Dak has won. <laughs> Damn it. In the Super Bowl, we're going to get a recount. Now, shut up and listen. <laughs> no. <laughs> a recount in the Super saying, Bowl, right? <laughs> look, all I'm saying, and you guys now, all honestly, all jokes aside, you guys know, if we go to the Super Bowl and we win this and Tony does not play, his legacy is still tarnished because it wouldn't have been him that got us there. So he's got to play right. in the Super Bowl at least a quarter to salvage his 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 legacy. Yes or no? There's a there's a cool video on YouTube. It's a sales type of video where there's a, a rookie sales guy comes in to replace the veteran sales guy. <laughs> it's the funniest oh, thing. It's a kid. Romo act. It, I don't know if you saw that one. <laughs> It was the funniest no. thing. He walks in, and everybody's around the rookie and going, "This guy right here, this is the man." And he walks in back from injury, and he says, "Who's in my seat?" And everybody says, "Well, mm. it's it's Dak. Dak's taking over the sales." And they're like, "Well, I'm the big top sales guy." And everybody silences oh. themselves and says, "Ah, oh, let's go to sales. More sales." And so, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. It, it, it was oh mocking my God, them. That's awesome. <laughs> 
No, it is. And here's the thing that really stinks is that Tony has gotten an undeserved bad rap for all these years because he's never had he's never he's had the offensive weapons like you know on but he's never had an offensive line to give him the protection he's needed. And I think that had Tony had the offensive line four years ago that we have right now, we would have been looking at a different Tony Romo. And I honestly believe that. And I also believe that that year that we lost to the Patriots, you know, with the Des Bryant catch that wasn't a catch, um, had we won that game, that was our Super Bowl year to get Tony his ring because Tony finally had the offensive line that year and look at what we were able to do. So I just think that for Tony to be a walk-on, he was a walk-on, undrafted, free agent, he's had a stellar career. And I just would really like him to have a chance to go out with just a little bit better dignity than he's had to endure. He will. He will in New York City. He'll have his ring on the sideline, and he'll be on the clipboard. He'll have his ring as a clipboard guy. can't with you. It's going to be bad. He is not going to the Jets. Can you please send – don't send it to Houston either because that's just evil. That's just wrong. Yeah. Can don't we get him to the Rams? I will let make him, him to the Rams, the Rams just like we did. You know what? I will, that, would be a, that would be respectable because you got Todd Gurley. Sure. That would be respectable. Like Joe that Namath. Would be sure. Why not? And but not to Chicago because it's too daggone cold. And, and like Peyton Manning, he his bones can't take all that. Can I send you the frame where you can put his jersey up on a mantel now? Because that's pretty much the end of his career, I think. Okay, I'll tell you what. You just send me a Tony Romo jersey for Christmas. That's all you do. That's what you do. Wow. And I'll be happy. I'm not going to waste my time you. there because he's a backup. If he was a starter, I'd think twice. But I'm not well, gonna at do least it. you know the jersey's gonna be a discounted price. If you just send me that for Christmas, and I'll rock it proudly. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> all right, bye guys. I'll catch you all next week. All right, go Cowboys! As one person Joe here today. Go Cowboys! Bye guys. <laughs> bye. Good night. All right, Troy. Uh, we got a, we got over the Dallas as she brings it every week. Dallas fever, just not good. I know. I'm with you. Um, Yeah, Dallas fever. But I'm thinking the Redskins are going to overcome, and they're going to make the playoffs and surprise somebody. That would be the shocker of shockers, you know, if you can take Dallas down. I mean, mean, you know what? If if the Redskins make the playoffs, I mean, it'll likely be at either the fifth or the sixth seed. So, man, that'd be great. That would be great. I mean, if we, you know, the Redskins make the playoffs and then they win that wild card matchup with, you know, whoever's going to be, whether it be Detroit or um, whoever the fourth seed would be, uh, that, yeah, man, dude, that would be great. That would be fantastic. And then get to play Dallas again. Yeah, I, that's that's my dream scenario. So I'm holding out for hope. All right. I'm hoping that in the next five games my boys really work it down win at least four out of the last five, or hopefully five out of the last five, man, that'd be great deal for me. Cousins is playing good, so you have an upside there. They're playing really good, so there's no no, no yeah. questioning there. They're playing really good. And I, I had a couple of them guys on my yards. fantasy squad. Yeah, I had a couple of fantasy guys, Crowder on my – and Reed, and they, they've been doing awesome. So um, Let's let's go into the women's recap and news and notes before we go into college football because uh, big deal in college football. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Really good games, and then obviously 
this is getting into the heat of things, which is pre-bowl selection rankings uh, with the fifth rankings. But let's go into the women's recap, um, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we got leggings back at Zazzle. Uh, so you take advantage of the sales at Zazzle.com, forward slash Square Beauties. Check out our new uh, Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash No Joke Football. Um, if you know the link on there, you can actually get it through the Gridiron Beauties page as well on Facebook. Thanks to everybody that supported us and has come driven our traffic. Our traffic was over 10,000 impressions this past week. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I really thank everybody that's networked with us. Inspiring stories on our Facebook page, week-to-week updates. We get week, week, weekly updates on FX Mexico, Lexra, as well as international news. But on top of that, we get great networking stories from a lot of folks uh, that we network with, including G.I. Quindom, as well as uh, Bleacher Report this week did a feature on Savannah Melton. Um, and then we get a lot of people that obviously uh, share that stuff with us. So inspiring stories of young girls as well as women making ends roads and women's uh, tackle football internationally as well, from full kit to non-full kit. Um, so check out our Facebook page at facebook.com for slash Gridiron Beauties. Um, Troy, big news out of Canada. Uh, we just got the news this past uh, two days ago. Big news out of Canada, the Western Women's Canadian Football League has announced it has a new president, former uh, Regina Riot uh, champion of 2015, as well as a veteran from 2012, Angelique uh, Chernard, uh, formerly nicknamed Nick. Um, we're going to have her here probably next week or the week after, and we're going to interview her and kind of get an idea of where uh, her vision is for the league. This is the top-tier league in Canada. It is basically the equivalent of the WFA in the United States. So congratulations to her. Uh, so it votes well for them, Troy, because – Here's a former player that understands, uh, you know, the basics of the of – the, she's played the game, number one. Number two, she's played at, with a team of a high level and won a championship. And number three, she's obviously lived and breathed this league from, uh, from its uh, initial launch. So she has history behind it. She has player, uh, and, uh, you know, experience as well as she has, you know, the passion for the sport. So it's got it's to be real good for the WWCFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime. I mean, and, and just to think how how the comfortability of the players would be, where you have somebody that can understand it from their perspective, and so I, I just think it bodes well. Anytime you have someone who can look at it from both perspectives, I just think, um, you know, it, it makes for a better intermediary when you have that. So we're gonna have her on probably next week or the week after, and we're gonna talk to her all about the WWCFL. Uh, Darren Stanky, who's our, our network partner, who covers the WWCFL, will also be here uh, before the season launches in April and give us kind of a perspective of what's going on. Now that we have Angelique Chenard uh, here, uh, we should be able to get you know dive into her more into as the coming season comes around. Another key person that we can you know pick the brain up in terms of where the league is going. Uh, this is the number one league in Canada as, in, in terms of football Canada. Uh, you also have the Maritime over in New Brunswick, um, the smaller league, obviously. But this is probably the, you know, the WFA of Canada. So congratulations to her for being named president. Uh, Savannah Milton was on Bleacher.com. Bleacher.com does features on high school youth sports, uh, up-and-coming athletes as well, and they promote athletes as well. So you can uh, visit Bleacher.com, get all the details on how to set up your, 
youth uh, sports athlete and get recognized for college as well after the high school levels. So Savannah Melton is going for the uh, this this weekend, Troy. Her Wildcats are going for the 7A Arkansas State title. One more victory. Uh, they need this big win this coming weekend, and they are uh, state champions. So uh, they they beat out last weekend, and they're 12-0. and They're going for the uh, 13-0 and first time in school history. So a uh, big deal for her, right? Absolutely. We'll be rooting for them and watching out and, and checking out for the results for them. Awesome. Then we got Opal Bowl uh, Gridiron New South Wales coming up this this weekend as well, December 4th, Opal Bowl Championship uh, 2016. Uh, Renee Hahn, our No Joke Football supporter, Kate Gartner as well, and Stacey Spear, representative of the, of the New South Wales Raiders, looking for back-to-back championships, taking on the Phoenix, um, Northwestern Phoenix who have also been former champs. Um, so it's going to be a great game. Last, the last matchup they had was a close game, and the Raiders did edge the Phoenix. This is for all the marbles. This is for the championship. Can the Phoenix uh, upset the Raiders, or will the Raiders uh, earn their back-to-back titles? So um, December 2nd, I mean December 4th, it will be live stream. Uh, we uh, just talked to Gridiron New South Wales last two hours ago. They will go ahead and set up the link for us. As soon as we get the link, we'll go ahead and post it on our Facebook page and our Twitter feeds as well, and so you guys can actually uh, get the feed for that. The other matchup that that happened this past weekend, Gridiron Queensland final. It was the Gold Coast Stingrays uh, winning against the Logan City Jets, and that was 34-22 in a close matchup. Uh, It was also via live stream. You can get it on our Twitter feed. It's still replay there. Fantastic game from both sides, both squads. Uh, Lauren Evans named MVP once again for the Gulf Coast Stingrays. Uh, just to remember and recap, Troy, this was the team that opened the season at 102 to zero on their first week. Wow! So uh, obviously they finished strong. Um, and one other record here: second year in a row that the Gulf Coast Stingrays, the Colts, the men's and the women's squads all win national championships. So it's an impressive program that they have at in Gulf Coast. Um, so Gulf Coast Rays. Um, very impressive. 34-22 was closer matchup than that. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, it was 28-22 with one score down. Um, Christy Moran trying to make a game out of it at the end there, but the uh, Gold Coast Stingrays uh, defense, led by Kenesha Sims and company, they held off the Jets and they ended up scoring one more one more drive there. So 34-22, the Gold Coast Stingrays become the first three-time champions in Gridiron Queensland, as well as the fans in the history of Gridiron Queensland. So historic achievement, Troy. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you know what that reminds me of is when you had all of those teams, you know, from the same program to win. It reminds me of uh, Connecticut men's basketball team and and also the women's basketball team winning the national championships Mm -hmm. in college. Uh, the same year, man. So that's the man. That's I mean, whenever you see that, man, you know you got a great program. You can fly banners all over the place when you do that. Yeah, I mean they got the youth program. The Colts, uh, the Colts squad also went out on the championship that day. The men's squad uh, after this, after the ladies match, also won national championship. And then obviously the second year in a row that the ladies have done it. Um, so congratulations to Lauren Evans, Kanisha Sims, um, and you have uh, the rest of the squad there in uh, Gold Coast that did an amazing job, as well as congratulations to Christy Moran and um, uh, Ella Briscoe. Ella Briscoe, unfortunately, 
uh, in the late fourth quarter, got smacked down and got uh, uh, pushed down onto the uh, onto the ground very harshly, and she had basically a, a concussion. So she was not able to come back uh, to finish strong. So, but she's in good standing. So we wish her well. And that was the quarterback for the uh, Logan City Jets, and really good top quarterback as well. So we uh, we hope that she recovers in the off season and comes back strong. Uh, Christy was obviously disappointed, but she knows who she was up against. This is the the two teams that had met earlier in the season, and they had gone to a 22-22 draw. And we knew, uh, as you pointed out last week, Troy. You knew that this was going to be a dogfight. They were very familiar with each other, and it, it turned out the same. It's just, uh, you know, Gold Coast ends up edging uh, uh, the uh, Jets 34-22 in the final. So, uh, But it was pretty much neck and neck up to the third quarter, 28-22, and then uh, the uh, the Rays end up getting in and, and, and win big on there. So their coach also for the um, Logan City, uh, Mr. Mr. Farrell is, is going to go ahead and step aside and, and retire, who has been with the league, with the Jets, since the beginning of the um, initiation of the women's uh, game. Probably one of the top coaches in Gridiron Queensland in terms of the women's division. So congratulations to him as well. Um, so, you know, send off for him. So um, the other thing we got to say is we are doing a, a no-joke football shoot coming up. Stay tuned, James J. Uh, James J. Johnson out of Philadelphia, New New Jersey. He's going to be going and doing a setup uh, no joke football uh, shoot. That's going to be the premiere for the 2017 campaign. So I'm really appreciative of him. He did our campaign about two, uh, a year and a half ago. Really an amazing job he did for us. He's very uh, very very good for us. He's donated his time as well, and we look forward to that. And it's going to be an amazing shoot. I can tell already. So um, shout out to Matilda Quist who sported out her uh, no-joke football gear on Instagram. We appreciate that. Uh, and then um, you got you got to watch her. She had a great shoot with Matt Hatter Concepts as well, and you can check it out on her uh, athlete page at Matilda Quist, uh, M-A-T-I-L-D-A-Q-U-I-S-T. Um, shout out and stay tuned for uh, Aurora Tulak as well, uh, sporting our gear. And then Aurora has announced that she will be at the 2017 uh, World Women's uh, Football Games in Florida. So she just announced that this past week. So we'll look forward to her in Florida. Um, see here, what else do I got? Um, the League of uh, Football Bikini out of Cancun in Playa Carmen. The Barracudas uh, become back-to-back champions. They take care of the Noradas. Second year in a row, Noradas fall to the Barracudas in the final, 26-23. Um, so Troy, this this Noreda team. Very strong during the season, Barracudas, and to lose two two years in a row, very frustrating for them. But uh, Barracudas, obviously, the top the top squad. Yeah, but you know when when you see that, I know it is frustrating, but you know they're on the right track. Um, so I mean, if they get over the hump next year, it'll make this all worth it. I mean, especially if they come back with the same team. So you hope they get some kind of continuity and they can keep it going, and maybe next year they can take the, the next step. Yeah, and so congratulations to quarterback Mariana Ortaza out of the Barracudas and the Barracudas themselves. You can check out the uh, Instagram pic that we posted up there for uh, congratulating them and their accomplishments this year uh, for the 2016 uh, League of the Football Bikini that Playa de Carmen out in Cancun and uh, over in uh, Cozumel. So uh, it was 26-23. The Barracudas take care of Naredas. Thanks to um, La Picarta de uh, Quintana Roo 
for their coverage and their uh, feature. And that's on our Facebook page as well. Um, shout out to Haiti Montalvo for the updates. And she was over there live and tweeting us the uh, results as well as posting some of the uh, action that was happening as well as LFB Oficial for uh, networking with us. So it's been a, been a great and exciting weekend of football. Two championships, uh, one in the non-full kit league and obviously the Queensland Championship in full kit league. Um, FX Mexico finals are coming up, and then we're looking forward to those in the finals this coming week. We'll post those as soon as FF, FXX updates their uh, finals layout. Lexpa finals, week seven's all over. We'll update those scores as well on our Facebook page and update there. Ladies football, Monterey will have their finals. Group one, Troyanas Monterey taking on the Ravens Monterey. And group two, Titanus Monterey taking on Diablos. We'll get you an update in scores as well on those also as they come across. And uh, we didn't talk about this, Troy, but uh, Great Cup, the 104th Great Cup was won by the Ottawa Red Blacks taking on the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, congratulations to Henry Burris, quarterback of the yeah, Ottawa man. Red Blacks, and they win their, their championship. Henry Burris, man, that's a that's a throwback name right there, man. That guy's been playing forever. Yeah, and he did his. He finally gets his uh, uh, ultimate prize, which is uh, very gratifying for him. And obviously for o- Ottawa, they uh, they get their win. I think it's probably their first win in this franchise, but uh, in a long time in in terms of Canadian football league history. Um, we got uh, yeah. ten minutes, so Troy, uh, let's tell the fans here what. Happened this past week in college football. It was rivalry week, week 13. A lot of implications. Um, really good finishes. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. And we, we, we had talked about it last week. It was going to be one of those, you know, huge games uh, in terms of rivalries. And, uh, you know, no disappointment. Yeah, I mean, Washington, uh, they they took care of business against Washington State. Um, I mean, they just they didn't even allow that game to be close. And so they stamped out any kind of chance that this team would have. Alabama did the same thing with Auburn um, in that Iron Bowl game. I mean, initially it looked like it was going to be a close game, but Alabama, as they usually do, they impose their will on you, and then they pull away in the fourth quarter. Ugh, man, this is going to hurt. Um, so the Ohio State-Michigan game. I, I don't know. I, I, I that don't was know. a first down, right, Tori? That was a first it was down. A first. It, 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 no, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. no, it wasn't. I just I was watching your Twitter like, feed, and I'm like, I'm like, he's obviously nuts. But I showed you the video, Troy, where it shows. I posted the video where it shows that the first down. He did cross the line. It was at a slant, man. That that was at an angle. I mean, I, listen, I, I, I'm a realistic guy, all right? So my thing is this. If you are going to have a pivotal play like that, and you are ESPN, you are the pinnacle of sports, you set that cameraman up on that line. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, but you set that guy up on that line. So, listen, and, and, and that wasn't necessarily the play that did Michigan and Michigan had plenty of chances to put that game away. And they just did not flat out get it done. All right. But huh, man, that, 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 that will hurt. That will hurt as a Michigan fan losing to that filthy team in Columbus. It, and then you got to wait 360 days to go play, to, to, to watch that team, you know, to play that team again. It just hurts. It really hurts, man, especially to lose like that. They couldn't make that call 
in Columbus and then have those referees try to walk out of that stadium with 100,000 people in Columbus, Ohio, of all places, bearing down on them. They were afraid to make the call. If you set the camera up and, and, and it showed that he went over the line, I'm fine with it. But they didn't show, set it up from where my perspective was. I didn't think he made it. The guy, you know, the, the, the offensive lineman who's, you know, rear end was right there right on the line, he hit the guy's rear end and bounced back. That's that's that, that's not a first down. But you know what? Do you want to recount? They, they, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? <laughs> Ohio State won. And here's the, and here's the deal right now. Okay, so Alabama is number one. They just had the you know the the, the playoff champions, the, you know the playoff seeding come out tonight. As for right now, of course, things are subject to change. So you have Alabama number one. Ohio State number two, and then you have Clemson is number three, and Washington is number four. Michigan, by losing that close game and then also a one-point loss to um, to Iowa, Michigan is now number five. So what that says is this. If Washington or Clemson loses in their respective championship games in the Pac-12 and the ACC, then Michigan moves up. Because what the committee said today was that they left Michigan at number five ahead of Wisconsin and Penn State and Colorado is because Michigan beat all three of those teams head-to-head. And they beat uh, Penn State handily. So, and they said that it, it, like, the, it was a very, very close vote between Washington and Michigan. So if they slip up, if, if, if either one of those teams slip up, slips up, Michigan slides into that number four spot. So it's not over for the Wolverines just yet. So, you know, we're waiting to see what pans out. Uh, Clemson right now, they have the championship game. The ACC championship game is in Orlando. It's going to be at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Clemson's coming in there hot. I mean, they're, you know, the top one of the top offenses in the country. Uh, Virginia Tech looks pretty much overmatched. They're number 23 in the country right now. And so it's going to be a tough game for them to play. You also have Alabama. They're playing in the SEC championship game against Florida. Alabama is the unquestioned, you know, undisputed number one team right now. Florida just got blown out last week by their rival Florida State. They don't look to be much of a challenge for Alabama. But even if Alabama loses that game, Alabama will still be in the playoffs. It's just without a doubt. Ohio State's off, okay, because Ohio State, due to them losing to Penn State, head-to-head, Penn State is now playing in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, which would be really unprecedented because even the winner of that game is not likely to be invited into the playoffs. And it's because when the committee looks at it, they look at the best teams that they want to, that they want to see play. And neither one of those teams really qualify in their eyes as a two-loss team, and the losses that they had were pretty, were pretty bad losses Wisconsin losing very early to Western Michigan, who was highly ranked, but they're you know a second tier team, and then Penn State being getting their doors blown off by 40 points by that same Michigan team that's ahead of them. So this is this is going to be a really funny week. This is one of these unprecedented weeks, but they're going to bring about change to this whole dynamic because now you're going to have teams like Wisconsin and Penn State that says, listen, one of those teams are going to win, and they're going to say we were still left out of the playoffs. We don't think it's fair. This is a travesty, and now it's going to get to the point where some people are going to sit back and say, hey, all right, let's go to an 18 playoff. But this is exactly the scenario that you need to make stuff like that happen. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, those are big, big games. Even in the Pac-12, you're you're talking pretty much all over the country. And we we talked about the SEC and everything else, but this is really big games. I mean, uh, you got Arizona out there, you got Washington, so and then Colorado of all of all the teams we've been talking about the last two weeks as well. Yeah, and with Colorado and Washington, that is the most interesting matchup, especially for me. Okay, because that one right there will give you the telltale sign of how the playoff is going gonna, is gonna to end up, okay? Because Michigan, their, their season is done. They're not playing anymore. If Colorado beats Washington in the title game, and they're playing this in Levi Stadium at 49ers, so those are the best two teams that are going to play in that stadium all year long. So if you have any – if Colorado beats Washington, then Michigan is going into the playoffs. It's that simple. And so – it's going to be interesting. It's going to be on Friday night. It's going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I'm definitely going to tune in for it. I don't know why they're doing this on a Friday night, but, hey, man, I'll take any, any day of the week you want to put college football on, I'll take it. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, so what's the top three before we get out of here? we got two minutes. What's the big game we need to be looking for, uh, two games we need to look for since we're almost running out of time here? Colorado-Washington. That's going to be the big matchup right there. The other one will be Clemson and Virginia Tech. We'll see if Clemson will be able to handle Virginia Tech. I think they should match up with them easily. Wisconsin, Penn State, either one who wins that game is going to be pretty pissed off that they don't make the playoffs, but they, neither one of those teams really deserve to make it in the committee's ass. Awesome. So uh, don't forget to catch our podcast. Replays are always welcome for us. You can catch Troy anytime you want, as well as Kishi and myself at uh, theultimatesportstalk.com ultimatesportstalk.com, as well as right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can use the follow button to do that. You can always interact with us at Troy Wilson underscore one for college football weekend and NFL, as well as Kishi's Cuties and at Great Iron Beauty uh, a daily if you want. So, Troy, for Kishi, Oscar Lopez saying great weekend of college football coming up, NFL Week 13 as well, and the championship in uh, uh, Opal Bowl in uh, Australia. It's going to be Opal Bowl uh, 2016. You can also do the replay of the live stream of Great Iron Queensland Final. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate it. And we'll see you here next week right here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com, for another edition of the Great Iron Blitz. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, guys.